0: I have a bad attitude, and so it, uh, I don't know if you know this, it affects your, my wife wants me to go to the doctor, but I told her, no way, I I finally have a deep voice, I've been like a soprano most of my life, and so this is like a bass or baritone, which I've never gotten close to, don't you think it's good? Listen, just listen to this, listen, I just can't get over myself today, I just, I have nothing, no Bible study, I just want to talk, listen to the sound, wow, wow, look at, ooh, look at that. Man, oh man. Remember a guy named Isaac Hayes? Remember Isaac Hayes? I got like the Isaac Hayes lower melodious tones, you see. Yeah, yeah, okay. Thanks. That's got to be Nancy. Is that Nancy who said that? Yeah. Oh, okay. And this is why we do not allow women to speak in church. I just thought we should share the Bible. Uh, so, we are in Genesis chapter 19. Are you ready for Genesis 19? No, oh, thank you, Brenda. I've got a bunch of stuff down here, all kinds of... It's like a pharmaceutical thing down over here. And so, help yourself if anything ails you. I've got all kinds of stuff. Genesis 19 is where we are. Take a peek. Now, the two angels, we read about them in the last chapter... They came to Sodom. They had been at a place called Hebron. Now they're in Sodom. I mentioned to you, Hebron is referred to as the Oaks of Mamre. That's Hebron. Hebron is the place where um, three young Jewish uh, students were kidnapped. Their bodies were found not far from Hebron. That was the uh, catalyst for what's going on in Israel today, the upheaval. Um, The IDF, that's the Israel Defense Forces. You heard from our friend last week, I think, from Israel, Moran. Thank you for being such a great and warm and receptive group. I I hear from him almost every day about the situation. Uh, The IDF is in Gaza, and they've suffered losses uh, as uh, they have inflicted loss on the Palestinians. I think this is a grievous thing from any normal person's point of view because the loss of any soul... Is a tragedy. A Jewish soul is not worth more than a Palestinian soul, or any kind of soul. And if you forfeit your life here, apart from Christ, you have just your destiny has been sealed. So you see how critical it is, don't you, uh, for the gospel to go forth in a place of of great upheaval. Anyway, uh, the angels were in Hebron, and it said they came to Sodom in the evening. If you look to the last chapter. I think they left Hebron, say, midday. If they arrived in Sodom in the evening, um, it's remarkable because that would be a 40-mile journey. If Sodom and Gomorrah are located, as most think, on the southeastern corner of the Dead Sea, southeastern corner, that would be a little bit close close to Jordan, modern-day Jordan. If Sodom is located there, it would be a 40-mile journey and if the angels made it in half a day, holy moly, they must be angels. Supernatural beings. You can't cover 40 miles that quickly by foot. So they get there as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. So that seems weird, sitting in the gate. You know, we usually think of gates as an entrance. is like a wrought iron thing, you know, a swinging kind of a gate. No, if you go to Israel, you get an idea. The ancient cities... Walled cities had gates which provided for more than just entrance and exit from a place. They were um, arched areas with recesses and seats. And the community leaders would meet there to catch each other up on civic affairs and cast their vote with regard to business situations affecting their municipality. The city gates would be the equivalent of um, a governmental building. And it says, and so if you go to Israel, you can see some of the gates have like three, three sections to them, very wide gates. It says that Lot was sitting in the gate, which implies, wow, he was popular. He was an outsider. He wasn't from Sodom. Uh, he was a stranger initially to the area. Somehow he had one the confidence of the people there so that, I mean, it's sort of almost an elected office that he now occupies. So he may have had political influence on the folks in Sodom, but as you'll see, he had little or no spiritual influence. Um, I don't want to be too dogmatic about this, but if you're well thought of by everybody, you're probably a silent Christian. Because the minute you open your mouth about a biblical perspective, you, you will f- fall out of favor. The minute you state your position on, say, life, abortion, marriage, same-sex marriage, or traditional marriage, other things. The minute you maybe state your position on Israel, whatever it is, um, you, you're, you're not going to be liked. I think it's possible for a Christian to be involved in the political process, for sure. Uh, but it's not possible for a committed Christian t- to compromise in order to get the political offense a- a- and still be of spiritual influence. So Lot was of little or none to his friends or family at this particular time. So um, he's the equivalent of a Christian. We wouldn't then have called him a Christian. We call him a saved or redeemed person. You'll see why in just, in just a second. But he's an unfruitful believer. It's possible to be a believer who's unfruitful. Unpre- he's a compromised Christian. That's what's happened. He's a compromised Christian. He's miserable. He likes what the city has to offer, but he knows the values are ungodly. He's betwixt and between. Have you been in that situation? to drive you crazy, folks. So You've got to decide whose side are you on. You've got to make a decision. So, so Lot thought he could have best of both worlds. You'll see he, he didn't succeed. So verse 2, he said, Behold, my lords, uh, please turn aside. He's speaking to these angels, but I don't think he knew them to be angels at this point. You say, but he called them lords. I mean, that's just a term, master. It's, just, it's a sign of respect to visitors. Behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house. Spend the night, wash your feet, that you may rise early and go on your way. They said, no, we're going to spend the night in the square. So in that society, you had three groups of people who were disenfranchised and needed special help. One were orphans. You can understand that. Who's going to provide for them? And so God gave instructions to ancient Israel, especially in the Old Testament. Make sure you take care of orphans. A second group, widows. It's rough to be a widow today. We have a number here in this room. Uh, It's a life situation. You would not choose for yourself. It's difficult for you, really difficult. We know that. Your, um, your husband perhaps was able to leave you with some provision, maybe, some life insurance perhaps. Maybe there are some social security benefits. In, in this day, widows received no such thing. So they were a very needy group. Widows are needy today. Even more needy in that day. No such thing as life insurance. No governmental provision. No no social security payments. Women were not prone to be permitted to work in those days outside of the home as today. So can you see what a needy group would be orphans and especially widows? So God says, give special care to orphans and widows. And then the third group, sojourners or strangers or aliens to a place. The terms are used synonymously. Aliens, we're not talking about like folks from Mars. Alien to the area. So these two angels looking like men are aliens with regard to Sodom. They don't they don't come from here. And so in keeping with hospitality and all the rest, it's not unusual at all for Lot to do what he did. He knew what had to be done for widows, for orphans, and for aliens. And so he is beseeching these two to come under his roof so that he could extend hospitality to them it's not all different in the middle east from this even even today so principles of hospitality are quite important but they insist on spending the night in the square so verse three he urged them strongly not to and so they turned aside to him and entered his house he prepared a feast for them baked unleavened bread have you seen unleavened bread Matza, we call it it's a thin layer it looks like a wafer Kind of like cardboard. I mean, that's that's unleavened bread. And they ate. So verse 4, before they lay down, before they went to bed, uh, the men of the city, men of Sodom, surrounded the house. Which men? Well, look, young, old, all the people from every quarter. So from the time they got there, which was in the evening, to the time they went to bed, not a long time, somehow the men of the place got together and orchestrated what they were about to do. Holy Toledo, how do you get men from different strata of society, young, old, all over the place, how do you get men to agree about anything? Holy moly. And now you see all the men are in agreement about what they're about to do. Here it is, verse 5. They called to Lot and said, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may have relations with them. You see? (laughs) They, they want sexual relations with, with these men. Um, folks, this appears not to be abnormal at this time in Sodom. By the word, uh, the, the term sodomy comes from this, this place, Sodom. We associate sodomy with Sodom. And um, things can happen as exceptions to the rule, but the rule at this point in Sodom seems to be uh, sex with 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 same-gender people. That seemed to be... Uh, this is a Canaanite place. Canaanites. You've heard of them? And the Canaanites, even at this point, had been around for centuries. They degraded morally into an astoundingly corrupt society so that you had not only the practice of sexual aberrations like this, um, but they were flaunted. It's not, it's not, you know, like private misbehavior. It was public misbehavior, and it was perfectly acceptable. Uh, I think all this is in here so we could see God is quite patient and justified when he finally judges. In fact, it says this in Jude, verse 7, Jude 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in, the New Testament calls it, gross immorality and went after strange flesh just as they are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. That God wants us to know that when he ultimately judges evil, he's just in so doing. He doesn't fly off the handle. He doesn't have a bad day. He's not irritable and moody. Good night. What you have here, once again, is not a few sexual aberrations. You have uh, unnatural acts being approved of publicly. Folks, I must tell you, When a society flaunts its sin, I think it might have passed the point of return and has really, really begged for God to judge it. I think it may be our society. There's always been homosexuality in America. That's not a new thing, but it's relatively new to watch something as non-threatening as house hunters and see the partnerships of those looking for homes. Primetime TV It's an unusual day. I think it was Burger King in keeping with the gay pride. Didn't they come up with a hamburger that has the colors of the gay pride movement? In Tel Aviv, uh, the American embassy, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, the American embassy is in Tel Aviv. You might say, why? Tel Aviv's not the capital of Israel, is it? Jerusalem's the capital of Israel. Why did we build our embassy in Tel Aviv? Because we don't want to offend those uh, who want East Jerusalem to be the capital of Palestine. So the United States has set up its embassy in Tel Aviv. Um, During recent Gay Pride Week, our embassy hung out, not the United States flag, but the Gay Pride flag, outside of our, funded by your tax dollars, embassy. I'm not in favor of degrading those who have same-sex attraction, I'm not in favor of defaming. I'm not in in favor of making fun, dehumanizing. I'm not in favor of denying people civil rights. Not at all. But I'm not in favor of flaunting an unnatural lifestyle that's clearly contrary to the will of God. I'm not in favor. We've done that. When the president of the free world, when the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, uh, ordained... Or, or permitted, authorized legally, same-sex marriage, when our president did that, I think we crossed the line. I really, I really think... I didn't say there's no hope. I, I didn't say our work is done. I didn't say anything like that. But I think uh, if we find God to have been justified in doing what you'll see he's about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah, then being consistent with it, I think we have to say, God, you'd be justified in judging us as well. Things are happening. So... Uh, Verse 6, Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him. He said, please, my brothers, don't act wickedly. Now behold, now get this. Tell me if this blows your mind the way it blows my mind. Verse 8, he said, he's talking about the crowd. He said, I have uh, two daughters who have not had relations with men. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men inasmuch as as they have come under the shelter of my roof. Whoa. Now explain to you Middle Eastern hospitality and how it's an important consideration, but don't you think this is carrying hospitality a little too far? Imagine yourself to be one of Lot's daughters at this time. What are you thinking about your dad? Imagine yourself to be Lot's wife. What are you thinking about their father? How could this be? Some people try to get Lot off the hook by saying this. He had two sons-in-law married to his daughters. They were natives of Sodom. They shouldn't have gotten married to begin with. That's called being unequally yoked. But they did. Maybe Lot knew the people of the community would not actually take him up on his offer to have, make sport of his daughters because they were betrothed, wedded to two of their own, his two sons-in-law who are from Sodom. Maybe the, the crowd would not do this to the partners of their own two citizens. I don't know. I think it's just a crazy deal. Listen, let me tell you something. If you go to a place that's evil, you better go ready to influence it and prepare to keep it from influencing you. Because Lot was a compromised Christian, he is now being more influenced by Sodom than he is having influence on Sodom. He has so lowered his standards of morality at this point, even though he knew what they're doing is wrong. Still, he's a compromised Christian, and this is the sort of thing that happens. So what happens here, verse 9, they said, stand aside. Furthermore, they said, "Uh, this one came in as an alien. They're referring to Lot. And already he's acting like a judge. Let me tell you something. Try as you may to fit in and be popular and be relevant to society you will only succeed for as long as it takes time for you to take a stand on what you believe once that happens you will be accused of being an alien weird odd we the church of jesus christ i don't mean sagemont church i mean christians over the last several years have done our best at becoming relevant we've succeeded we're very very relevant we, we were relevant in our preaching. We think about what, the, what worldly people would like to hear. We're relevant in the way we do our worship services. What would entertain unsaved people. You know, we think about all this stuff. We've succeeded at it. And in the process of succeeding in being relevant, we've lost our edge. So now, the surrounding society cannot distinguish us from them. It's like salt having lost its savor. We're so relevant. We... We dress like they dress. We entertain ourselves the way they entertain themselves. We drink what they drink. I'm not saying we have to be odd and weird, but we're different. Do you know that? God called us out from the world to be part of his community. We don't have to be weird. We don't have to be odd. We could be fashionable. I got all that. But in our desire to fit in, be relevant, They don't take us seriously anymore. They don't see any transformational difference that Jesus has made in our lives. It's not good. Many of us are compromised. So they said, look, the guy came in as a stranger. Now he's acting like a judge. I'll tell you what, we'll treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. You want to know something? Um, This guy's a believer. He's considered to be righteous. This really tripped me up when I read this. How could he be righteous? The biblical concept of righteousness really means primarily to be in right standing with God. Look, here's God over here. And here's the rest of us over here. And we're separated from him through sin. But Jesus came to bridge the gap. So having believed in Jesus, now we have right standing with God. Because the righteousness of Jesus is put on our account. So to be righteous is to stand in right position with God right standing ought to lead to right living but it does not always with a Christian we have right standing but we're still living like everybody else that's what happened with Lot he had right standing but he's not engaged in right living you know what that does to a Christian it'll mess you up on the inside you're like unstable and you don't know who you are that's why the Bible says be hot be cold but this lukewarm stuff what is that so it says this, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. After he, God, rescued righteous Lot, holy moly, the New Testament refers to Lot as being righteous. Once again, not that he lived rightly, but that he had right standing. God rescued him, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. Lot liked living in the city. He liked Sodom. There was a bunch of stuff he liked about it. But he was oppressed in his conscience conscience by the sensual conduct of those around him for by what he saw and heard that righteous man see it's the second time he's referred to this way while living among them felt his righteous soul third time tormented day after day with their lawless deeds look at here if you've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb you're not going to be able to fit in the world anymore without being miserable the most miserable person on earth is a compromised christian not a non-christian Non-Christian love sin. What are you talking about? They don't get guilty conscience about, about doing ungodly things. You remember those days. Sin didn't bother you. didn't bother me. When you become a Christian, you're a repository of God's spirit. He will convict you of sin. It's a wonderful ministry he has in our life. Therefore, a sin has uh, pleasure only for a season. Then it messes you up. You feel guilty and ashamed. You feel condemned. You're supposed to I mean, That's who you're supposed to be. So that's what's happened with lot. He's compromised, so he's, he's kind of messed up. So verse 10, the men reached out their hands. The men here, meaning the angels. They reached out their hands. They brought Lot into the house and shut the door. and they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. See what it says with blindness? It doesn't actually mean an optical thing like total blindness. The Hebrew word means to be confused or dazed dazed. so They probably were able to see, but they got real confused. They they were disoriented. This was a God-imposed confusion to keep them from getting in. By the way, I pray for Israel's enemies. I pray that the gospel would go forth and that um, when people come to have peace with God, they'll have peace with one another. But short of that, I pray that Israel's enemies would be confused and dazed. I pray this very thing. Oh, God, blind them so that they would be curtailed in their efforts. Anyway, so that's what happens. In verse 12, the men said to Lot, whom else, the men meaning the angels, whom else have you here? A son-in-law and your sons and your daughters and whomever you have in the city, bring them out of the place. You know what that verse reminds me of? It tells me that angels are not omniscient. Did you know that? Did you know angels are, they exist? And did you know that they are not omniscient? To be omniscient means to be all-knowing. See here, they say here. Do you have a son-in-law? Wait a minute, He had two sons-in-laws. Your sons? He doesn't have any sons. He's got two daughters. Angels are created beings. Did you know? Angels are created. We are created. There's only one, who's the creator, who has no beginning nor any end, and that's God Himself. And only He is omniscient. He knows all things. Angels are to be respected. It's God's messengers, but not worshipped. you kidding me? You worship the creator, not creatures. Anyway, they don't know what's going on. Verse 13. They say, we're about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. What do you mean their outcry? Are, are the men of Sodom crying out to God? No, their evil is. That's an encouraging verse. Just when you're on the verge or I'm on the verge of giving up, being so frustrated with unchecked sin and evil in our world. Hang on. It's crying out to God. What's it crying out? It's as if it's saying, judge me. It's invi- evil is inviting God's judgment. Unholiness says, cry out to holy God for a response. And it'll come in due season, just as with Sodom and Gomorrah. So verse 14, Lot went out, spoke to his sons-in-law, Now I have to tell you something. Um, Sons-in-law implies uh, these guys are married to Lot's two daughters. But if you back up to verse 8, you'll see it says they had not yet had relations with any men. So how could they be sons-in-law when his daughters had not had relations with any men? This is an Old Testament thing called betrothal. Betrothal. It's like with Joseph and Mary in the New Testament. Remember what it says? While they were betrothed, Mary was found to be with child. Remember that? This is scandalous because during betrothal, it's like unto marriage in all respects but one. The couple had not yet consummated it physically. During betrothal, it's legal marriage. But the groom, the man, stays with his parents and the woman with hers until there's a ceremony. And then they come together physically and consummate the marriage. For Mary to be found with child during betrothal means she committed adultery because it was like unto marriage. So it says in the New Testament, Joseph being a righteous man and wanting to put her away quietly. What does that mean? She could have been stoned for adultery, but he being a good guy simply, instead of having her stoned, was going to put her away, you know, kind of like a hush-hush deal. And then God says, hang in there, Joseph. Joseph. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Remember all that? So that's what's happening here. These two guys are betrothed to Job's daughters. They had not had, I'm excuse me, Lot's daughters. They had not had relations with them yet, but they are in every sense of the word except physical uh, married at this point. So he speaks to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters and said, up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But he, Lot, appeared to his sons-in-laws to be jesting. Holy moly. There's judgment, impending judgment. God's going to destroy the whole place. They don't take Lot seriously. What is their problem? You know what their problem is? Their father-in-law is their problem. Why in the world should they take him seriously? He didn't take his own conviction seriously. I mean, he has lived as if he's a non-believer. In all his time in Sodom, He got elected to political office. He's one of the good old boys. Everyone loves him. But he's had no impact on them, on his friends or on his family. All of a sudden, he's struck by the urgency of his message. But they say it's too late, Charlie Brown. This is not happening. You showed us nothing in your life consistent with what you're now telling us, that there is a God, that that he has standards, that there is sin, that he will judge sin, sin. Folks, don't let that happen to you. Don't let it be that you and I are having minimal impact on our families and on our friends. Because we're not taking seriously eternity, the Lord, sin, salvation, judgment. Don't do that. Don't do that. So anyway, he's such a compromised believer at this point. His sons-in-law, they don't take him seriously. Then it says in verse 15, when morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, up. Take your wife, your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. Are you kidding me? He hesitated. Why? Well, the angels are saying, you people get out, but leave your possessions behind. Look at that. You know what's going to be saved? People. You know what's not going to be saved? Stuff. Stuff. Is there something wrong with a Christian having a lot of stuff? No. It's not having stuff that's a problem. It's when the stuff has you. That's a problem. Apparently the stuff had him. You now he's looking back, man, I got this big house. My garage is filled with stuff. Just got a new car. Planted some trees. Just remodeled the kitchen. It'd be very cool to be saved, to avoid judgment, to be with God. But, I don't know. He hesitated. The world can really have its hooks in us. So the men, look what they did. They seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his daughters for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out and put him outside the city. This to me is uh, reminds me of something called the rapture. This is not the rapture, but it reminds me of the rapture. The rapture is an interesting word it actually means to be caught up there will come a time when jesus returns but not to earth there'll come a time when he doesn't meet us here we meet him there in the air then after that he comes to earth so that's a reference to the rapture a time when we meet the lord in the air but the word interestingly means to be caught up why i think when the time of the rapture comes some of us will hesitate just as Job did. And we'll say it would be really cool to be raptured with you and out of this place. But I have such an investment in this place. We'll say stuff. We'll hesitate. We'll say, oh, my God, my granddaughter is graduating next week. Could you come later? You know, oh, I, mean, I just got a new bowling ball. You know, I'm going to break it in. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, jo- Loeb is not, uh, lobe. Lot is not all that, Lobe is not all that, unlike us and so a good God look you see the word compassion will seize us will catch us up look we may may go kicking and screaming but we're going why because Jesus bought us with a price and we are not our own we are his property and he's not leaving his property even if his property is not ready to go we're going we're getting caught up just as these guys seized him by the hand we're going to be seized by the Lord and so as to be with him you know what someone said Uh, with reference to Lot, he had too much of the world to be happy in the Lord and too much of the Lord to be happy in the world. See? Make up your mind. Are you going to be a devoted follower of Jesus or not? That's the deal. So verse 17, it came about when they had brought them outside That one said, escape for your life. Don't look behind you. Don't stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains lest you be swept away. But Lot said to them, oh no, my lords. That's incredible. He's arguing with his rescuers. Verse 19, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. You've magnified your loving kindness, which you've shown me by saving my life. I cannot escape to the mountains lest the disaster Overtake me and I die. He's in essence telling God that God's rescue plan is just not going to work. Verse 20, behold, this town is near enough to flee to, and it is small. Please let me escape there. Is it not small that my life may be saved? I asking for so much, he's saying. It's not like I want like a bunch of real estate, just a little something. He wants to remain close to the pleasures of Sodom. This place was originally called Bela. It has now come to be called Zor, Z-O-A-R, because Zor means little or small. So that's what he asked for. Verse 21, he said to them, Behold, he meaning meaning one of the angels, said to Lot, Behold, I grant you this request not to overthrow the town of which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the town was called Zor. See what the angel said? I can't do anything till you arrive there? Folks, to me, that's one of the very key Old Testament verses on what we could call assurance of salvation. I'll tell you why. Can you find any good thing in Lot's behavior? Can you find? I mean, this guy is a compromised, corrupted believer. He's not doing anything right. And yet the angel, remember the emissary of God, is saying I cannot do what I want to do, what I'm here to do, that is to destroy the city. I can't do it until you're out and safe. Folks, the assurance of our salvation is based on the grace of God. It's not based on our behavior, good or bad. Lot's an example of bad behavior, but God is true to himself. Do you remember when Abraham in the last chapter said, if there are so many there, some you won't destroy the righteous with the wicked, will you? Here's evidence that God will not. No, those who are in right standing with him will, in spite of them, be saved. Lot, in spite of himself, is being saved, for crying out loud, because God makes a distinction between those who by faith are rightly related to him and those who are not. This is Assurance of salvation, in my opinion, from the Old Testament. So verse uh, 23, the sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Brimstone and fire. Um, people, some people say uh, maybe God caused an earthquake in this area and zapped it with lightning. And because of the uh, bitumen deposits prevalent in this area, Dead Sea area, bitumen, petroleum, and uh, brimstone is sulfur, sulfur is flammable. Some people say, God shipped things up with an earthquake, zapped it with lightning, it was a spark, boom, major explosion, nothing going on here anymore, no vegetation, no, no fish in the Dead Sea. Even today, if you go there, it's scorched earth. You can still see ash in this part of the area. It's fascinating. Others say, you want to hear this one? Some people say it was an asteroid. An asteroid, like a moon rock or something, I don't know, hit this area and ignited all the mineral deposits. You want to know something? Either could, could be true. The fact that God used natural means, however, to bring this about, doesn't mean it wasn't supernatural. Are you kidding? Who could call upon the elements in nature to be at his beck and call but God? So one way or the other, I don't spend too much time thinking about this stuff. I just wanted to tell you these all kinds of theories. All I know is it happened here, and the place goes up in flames, essentially. And so verse 25, he overthrew those cities, and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind him looked back. She became a pillar of salt. Wow. God doesn't seem like a good God. What do you mean? She just turned her head to look back out of curiosity and she gets wasted like this? No. The Hebrew word underlying the phrase look back means to look back with intent and longing. Folks, our heart was in Sodom. She didn't want to be with the Lord. And by the way, those who don't want to be with the Lord won't. He just doesn't impose himself on anybody so she wasn't looking forward for deliverance at all she was looking back at a world passing away and on its way to judgment so verse 27 Abraham rose early in the morning we haven't read about him since the last chapter he got up early in the morning and he went to the place where he had stood before the Lord he was standing before the Lord in Genesis 18 interceding for Sodom Remember, he said, you know, what about righteous people? Surely you'll spare righteous people. From that whole conversation? He was praying. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. Thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. This is fascinating to me. Um, Lot lived in Sodom, but had less influence on Sodom than Abraham, who didn't live there. Don't you find that interesting? How did Abraham, who didn't even live there, have more influence on the place than Lot, who did live there? Through prayer. Abraham prayed for it. Do you know you can pray? whole places. Folks, what a world in which we live. In the Ukraine, um, Malaysian Airlines jet, I think number 17, as you know, went down, having hit, been hit by a missile manufactured by Russia. Close to 300 people perished. Can you imagine what the relatives are going through? Especially since not too long ago, another Malaysian Airlines the uh, airliner went down, still hasn't been found. Can you imagine if your relative was on that? You have no closure. Do you know we could pray? Many of the people, about 100 of them were Dutch. Uh, they were AIDS researchers. Do you know we can pray for for the Netherlands? We could pray for their families? Do you know we can pray for Malaysian people, many of whom are Buddhist? Did you know that? We can pray that they find no consolation in Buddha. Why? Because Buddha's not God. We could pray that in their misery, somehow they might find consolation in the one true God. You know, we could pray these things. You know, we could pray for Ukraine. Ukraine is sort of split in the middle by a river. People living in Ukraine to the east would like to be under the Russian umbrella. They consider themselves to be more Russian than Ukrainian. People to the east of this river want an independent Ukraine. Uh, Putin, the leader of Russia, loves the disarray in the Ukraine. Instability creates an opportunity for um, dictators. And so, you know, they already took the Crimea. The Crimea is like a peninsula that was under the auspices of Ukraine. Can you imagine? The Russians just went and took the Crimea. Why'd they do that? Because it's on the water. (laughs) Now, now Now they have access to the sea in which they could sail right on over to Israel. Interesting, very interesting. But do you know we could pray for Ukraine? Do you know we could pray for the Russian people? Do you know we could pray for Putin? Think about that, even without going there. Do you know we could influence these people? In Africa, you have a group called the Boko Haram, a very radical Islamist group. By the way, I don't know if we should still use the phrase radical Islam. It seems normative Islam is very radical. Boko Haram has very publicly declared their, interest, their, state, their intent to kill all Christians. They're succeeding at it. If you have a church service in parts of Africa today, you don't know when Boko Haram is going to show up and just shoot you to death. They're responsible for the kidnapping of a lot of these young girls who, if they do not convert to Islam, will be raped and used as sex slaves. In Mosul, big city in Iraq, ISIS, I can't remember what it stands for, I- Iraq and Syria Islamic State, something like that. This is another group of people um, raising, uh, causing havoc in Iraq right now, Muslim people, and they want to usher in the next caliphate. A caliphate is a theocracy under the rule of the next successor to Muhammad. They believe that next caliphate will be ushered in by a worldwide cataclysm. That's why they're inviting cataclysm, not peace, you see. Uh, Christians in Mosul are, right now, today, are fleeing for their lives. Right now. Because ISIS is killing them. Um, of course, then you have the Israel situation. IDF, Israel Defense Forces, have entered into Gaza. Uh, idea of soldiers are being killed you 'll read in the news today there've been some losses just this morning, as our Palestinian people being killed. <clears throat> in 2007, Gaza, which was in Israeli control, was given over to the Palestinian people under the guise of land for peace. Since that land was given up, <laughs> it's been used as a beachhead for rocket fire. What peace? Israel bodily removed its own citizens from Gaza to make room for the Palestinians. There's an outcry for a Palestinian state. Why didn't they make Gaza the Palestinian state since 2007? Instead, the vast majority of Palestinian people voted to have as their government in Gaza Hamas. Hamas is almost on every country's list of terror organizations, including the United States. Why? Because Hamas has, as its avowed purpose, the total annihilation of the Jews in Israel. Could you please tell me how you can negotiate peace with someone whose stated intention is your demise? Would we sit at a peace table? Well, we might. Who knows what? Or... I, mean, it's just, I mean, it's just an imbalance. I mean, how do you negotiate with someone who doesn't recognize your right to exist. I mean, how do you make, how do you make peace? So that's Hamas ah, since two, 2007. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Their Palestinians are being killed. They're people of value created in the image of God. They're not subhuman people. They're civilian losses. Of course, Hamas hides its rocketry in places surrounded by human shields. Schools, hospitals, mosques, all the rest. Israel, before they strategically, surgically bomb Um, they send leaflets and do other things warning the residents get out you know what Hamas says don't leave don't leave why not if there are civilian losses Israel will be made to look like an oppressive ogre it works it's a great strategy and then the United Nations will issue sanctions against Israel having issued not one against Hamas it's very interesting to me very interesting to me Do you know we can pray for Gaza? The residents of Gaza, many think Allah is the true God and Mohammed is his chief prophet. No. Elohim is the true God and Jesus is his son, the Savior. Do you know we can pray for people in Gaza that somehow they might be saved? Do you know we can pray for people in the Israeli army who think Moses is the way to salvation or something like that? Do you know we could pray? At this time, this extreme time, somehow the gospel would go forward. They might be saved. Do you know that we can pray? Do you know we can use this very bad news as an opportunity to stimulate our praying for the good news to go forth? Abram did it. Abram never even set foot in Sodom. (laughs) He wasn't even there. He had more impact on it by praying for it than Lot did by living there. Isn't that interesting? I don't have plans to go to Ukraine, Mosul, North Africa at present. I don't have plans, but I can get there by praying. My father hears. He's able to answer. Folks, I think it's a a neglected weapon that we have. Intercessory prayer. It means to intercede for people under horrific circumstances. Poverty. Oppression. All the rest. I know about this immigration issue on our borders. It's not a simple issue. Doesn't your heart go out to children? However... Oh my heavens, thousands of kids. What does it take for a parent to be so desperate as to send a child unaccompanied to a foreign land? I know we should discuss immigration law and all the rest. I understand that. But we can pray for Guatemala. Many are from Guatemala, El Salvador. It's a terrible place, very poor. There are gangs, there are killings. I wouldn't want my child to be put at risk. We could pray. Can't we pray? for Guatemala, that the Prince of Peace would make his way into the hearts of people there, that they might find him to be their protector. Can't we pray? Uh, What I read about Abraham has really, really convicted me. Instead of getting lathered up and cynical about all that's going on, I could pray. Call upon Almighty God, who desires for none to perish, but for all to be redeemed. To simply do that which is his stated purpose, and that is to be a savior for people. Then one day, maybe when we get to heaven, maybe we'll be told something like this, and God remembered, and then you put in your name there, God remembered so and so and showed favor to someone else. Maybe someone else's eternal safety will be due to the fact that God remembered her, our, heard our intercessory prayers on their behalf. I can't wait to get to heaven when I can find out finally who prayed for me. I'm not sure who did. How did I get saved? I heard of, I've heard of the gospel. I've heard of Jesus. I'm in America. Why does he like a mystery? I know who Billy Graham is and all that stuff. I've seen crosses. Why is it on one particular day in the military barracks? It all clicked, made sense. Heart and mind was open to you. Someone had to be praying for me. Are you kidding me? That's a spiritual thing. That's like a miracle. How did the blinders get removed? I don't know. Someone or someone's had to be praying for me. Who are they? I don't know. I can't wait to get there. Oh, you're, thank you so much. Because you interceded on my behalf, I'm here. Would it be cool to have that experience? Someone taps you on the shoulder in heaven, if we have shoulders in heaven. I don't know what we got, I don't know what's going on. But someone gets your attention in heaven, and and you say, oh, and and that person says to you, thank you, because you prayed for me, I'm here. Where, Where are you from? I'm from Mosul. Really? I was a member of Boko Haram. You're kidding me. No, I hated God and the things of God. I hated your God until I came to know he's my God. Thank you for praying for me. You you see what I'm getting at? Otherwise, you get frustrated. We got to do something. We got to do something. Yeah, we could pray. We could pray. This is not a last resort. We're making it a last resort. First resort. Why? Because it's only through prayer that God gets the glory. Otherwise, we do. Any other initiative, we could take credit for it. Prayer, only God gets the glory. Lot's of salvation was due to his uncle's intercessory prayer, for crying out loud. It's a good thing. All right, look, we've got a few more minutes. Do you want to say anything? Or do you want to just go eat? It's a good text, isn't it? Yes. Diane brings up such a good point. We could pray for this country too, especially during, Diane is saying during election year, that the right people, men and women, are elected to political office. You are so right. You are so right. Yes, ma'am. Please. You make a very, very good point. Uh, I, uh, let me repeat it because I don't know if you heard. Our sister is saying she was going through cancer uh, treatments and, uh, but would not articulate her fear of death out loud. She didn't want to give that information to the evil one. And what she's saying is he too is a fallen angel, so he's not omniscient. He doesn't know all things unless she informs him. And she didn't want to give him that advantage. So that's a very excellent point that you make. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, sir. Doc. What is your theory about the destruction of southern Gamara being related to the Great Rift Valley being formed? that have been uh, the destruction that we're talking about? The Great Rift the Valley. What well, Dr. Garner is saying um, I- Israel in, is in the midst of something called the Great Rift Valley, it starts in the north goes through Israel and all the way down to Africa. It's formed by the plates in the earth, what they call tectonic plates that kind of move. So it's a very unstable kind of an area. And Dr. Garner is suggesting that maybe that had something to do with the demise of Sodom and Gomorrah. I think it, it, it could easily be the case. Absolutely could be the case. Whether it is or not, I, I do not know this. But it could be the case for sure. That's a great observation. Those are some of the, some of the explanations for what happened in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. And again, that it was through natural means doesn't mean it wasn't supernatural. You know, only a God can call upon, once again, the elements of nature to be at his beck and call exactly on time. <laughs> Good stuff, you guys. Hey, you know, so uh, I'm glad you're interested in the Bible. You know, when you open it, you're safe. News, eh, not so safe. You have to be, you exercise a lot of discernment. Books, you got to exercise discernment. When you read the Bible, relax. God's word. Man, just relax. Speak to me, O God. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from thy law. You not have to be shaken. Is this true? Is this accurate? Is this leading me astray? No. That's not the way our Father operates. Thy word is truth, it says in the Bible. David says, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from thy word. Genesis 19, pretty cool stuff, huh? It's a foreshadowing. You can read this, Luke 17. Luke 17 refers back to this episode as uh, an application for today. It says, just as in the days of Lot, Sodom, and Gomorrah. It says, don't behave like his wife. Don't look back. Look forward. It says all that. You know what that means? The New Testament verifies this Old Testament event. Yeah. Uh The Lord will judge the earth. The evil uh, cries out to him. Um, His wrath will be poured out on it, but not by you if you've accepted, not on you if you've accepted Christ. Why? Because the Father already poured out his wrath on the Son. When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it. Uh, The Father is not wrathful to his children anymore. He's gracious, he's compassionate. He poured out his wrath on his only begotten Son. Therefore, you and I are safe. Even though we behave like Lot from time to time, we have assurance of salvation because of the grace of God. Lord Jesus, because of all those attributes which are yours alone, we bow before you. Not angels, not Muhammad, not Moses. We bow before you for who else is the Savior. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you've worked out your redemptive plan from before time. Lord, we praise you for your holiness. You're a dad we can respect because you hate what's wrong and you love what's right. There's a lot wrong with us, but thank you for making us right with you. This is because of what you've done, not because of what we do. Thank you now there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Now that we have right standing, oh God, we don't want to be like Lot, compromised. We want to be engaged in right living so that folks see the difference you've made in our lives, so that they're aroused to jealousy, so that in an increasingly peaceless and unsettled world, people will see us to be different and ask us to give an account for the hope that is in us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, blessings to you folks. Lord willing, we'll see you next week. Yeah, I hope so, Pete.